Welcome to the Faith in Maine podcast. I'm Katie Clark, your host. We are sharing stories of life and faith and ministry across our 58 churches, 18 summer chapels, Camp Bishopswood, three Jubilee centers, and ministries that make up the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. In this episode of the Faith in Maine podcast, we focus on the seventh and final practice in the way of love, which is to rest, to receive the gift of God's grace, peace, and restoration. As we wrap up this series on the way of love, practices for a Jesus-centered life, we speak with Bishop Brown about the concept of rest and restoration. What practices restore body, mind, and soul? How closely linked are productivity and self-worth? How we can work towards creating a culture where rest is not frowned upon, but instead welcomed, and how we can keep the Sabbath holy. Thank you for walking the way of love with us here on the Faith in Maine podcast. We hope you enjoy this interview with Bishop Brown. Welcome to our final podcast on the way of love practices for a Jesus centered life. This session, we are talking about rest, which is receiving the gift of God's grace, peace, and restoration. And that's a fitting place to end as we started with turn, then move to learn, then pray, and then worship, bless. And last session, we talked about go. So now we land on rest. From the beginning of creation, God has established that sacred pattern of going and returning, labor and rest. And especially today, God invites us to de- dedicate time for restoration and wholeness within our bodies, minds, and souls, and within our communities and institutions. So Bishop Brown, welcome for our last go-round with the way of love. Nice to have you here. Thank you so much, Katie. I'm glad to be here. So Bishop, tell us, think about this. Describe your ideal day of rest and refreshment. For me, the ideal uh, looks a lot like the way that I pattern my time when I'm actually on vacation, which is that there's some kind of focus and plan at some point during the day uh, that's been pre-planned or pre-cooked or shopped for, which has to do with food. So for me, an ideal day of rest and refreshment is that there's something about a very simple or maybe a very elegant and very elaborate meal, but there's something about the way in which diet and preparation for a meal, maybe to have people over, it could be a beautiful bowl of yogurt with some fresh berries that is set out on the table in a bright room for breakfast, or it could be an you know, a beautiful cookout with friends, but there's some intention and attention focused on food and gathering people together and being able to be and feel thankful. So that's one thing. I think another piece that's ideal for me when I think about a day full of rest and refreshment is that there's also some time outside, outdoors, whether it's a walk, whether it's being in the water, swimming. I mean, there's all kinds of ways, of course, to be outside. It could be in the middle of winter and simply walking around the back cove in Portland or wherever. But there's something for me that's ideal about making sure that the day includes being outside. 
And then finally, a third thing for me, an ideal day of rest and refreshment is a sense that there is nothing that I have to do today, that everything that I'm going to do or could do is going to be for pleasure, is going to be for a sense of what's going to be joyous rather than what feels or what might feel like a task or a sense of being obligated to do something. So freedom in the schedule to do whatever I choose, which might also be said, whatever it is that God wants me to do. Bishop, I think you hit the nail on the head there with highlighting that rest does not need to be you know, complete body rest, napping Mm -hmm. or sleeping, it can be something that is just not working, not obligations. Mm -hmm. I've heard said that when we think about rest, we should think more about how children act and how they find time to renew themselves often by play. So Mm -hmm. when you were a child, what was your favorite way to to play that made you felt free and uh, in those ways that you would like to as an adult? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the things that I love about this question is it puts me in touch with memories and memories of a time that is probably overly nostalgic uh, on my part. Uh, But I think about summer in my little tiny hometown in Bruce Crossing, Michigan. And this town where I grew up is on the very end of the Eastern time zone. So not only is it quite far North, it's also just 10 miles away from the central time zone, which means that uh, daylight in midsummer is really, really, really long. And it really doesn't get dark until almost 10 o'clock at night. And during those, the height of summer, we would organize Uh, kick the can kind of version of hide and seek. And there were some, there were some nights when there were like 15 kids playing this game and we sort of hid all over town. And there was a, there was a freedom and there was a delight and there was a sense of community that was just tremendous. And being out so late, the sort of rule was that you had to come in when the streetlights came on. And at that time of year, the streetlights didn't come on until, as I said, almost 10 o'clock. So my memory is that these games of kicking the can and playing hide and seek were um, like three and four hours long. I'm sure they were that long, but it felt like there was nothing else to do except to play with these friends. And it was beautiful. So fast forward from childhood into adulthood. Hmm. And here we are, busy schedules, when was the last time that you now felt truly refreshed and rested and and how might that have changed your perspective? Mm. Well, it was this past summer. uh, There was a particular day I was in the, in the Hancock County part of our diocese, which includes Mount Desert Island. And I had a visitation there that was really the better part of six days And uh, I was able to stay in a little tiny, but darling and clean as a whistle Airbnb in one of the villages on Mount Desert Island. And I had just half a day without anything scheduled. And there was something about being in a place where I had never been before and being in a little tiny studio apartment 
uh, that was new to me and not mine. And I didn't really have to attend to it because I knew that someone was going to clean up afterwards. So there was a sense of I could just be and live in it and use it. But there was a tremendous quiet. And that's a day that occurs to me as even in the moment, I was terribly conscious that this was a precious gift and that I had a morning where I had nothing scheduled and I was in a new place and it resulted, which is the second part of your question, sort of what happened then, it resulted in this calm and this sense of delight for whatever was next after that, but primarily a spirit of calm and just quiet. And that is such a beautiful feeling for me when I have this overwhelming, um, deep-rooted sense of calm. And that's what that morning did. And then I carried that into the, into the rest of my time. So what practices do you have that help re you rest and restore your body, mind, and soul? I've talked about some of these in previous podcasts, but one of the things that uh, restores my soul is a morning practice of morning prayer, a daily practice of morning prayer. And the other thing is physical exercise, which is somewhat new to me in terms of its regularity and the way in which it's really just part of my rhythm. And it's become a become not just a rhythm, but it's a joyous discipline. And so those are two things, one of which has been a constant for decades, um, and the other is just about 18 months old. But I think there's something else uh, that helps me be restored. And a lot of it is centered on my own marriage uh, and the life that Tom and I have and endeavor to maintain and keep at, at home. And the other is always being mindful that I am best when I am nurturing and cultivating friendships, whether they are new or whether they are old friendships. There's something for me about the practice of making sure that I'm in touch with loved ones uh, that very much restores the balance of my body, mind, and soul. So I would say sort of primarily four things. Uh, certainly a sense of daily prayer, a sense of uh, daily exercise, a great commitment to my marriage, and an ongoing commitment to making sure that I'm connected to friends. I know in our culture now, we're going to have a few questions that relate more looking outwards to our culture mm -hmm. and how that is linked or not linked to the practice of rest. In our culture, productivity is highly prized mm -hmm. and there's a great focus on productivity. How closely linked for you are your productivity and your self-worth? For many, those are really tightly linked. Um, how is that for you? Oh, Katie, I think this is such an important question for all of us to really, really ask ourselves and to ask others. So I love that you're asking me this question. And I just want to say to everybody who's listening, I think this question about examining and thinking about the degree to which productivity or work output gets equated with the degree to which we feel worthy is so, so spiritually necessary for us to be well and to serve well. 
So for me, it is, uh, it's an ongoing thing. There are days when I feel like if I did not get the things done that I wanted to get done, there, there have been times of tremendous shame washing over me of, oh my gosh, I'm really, you know, I'm a terrible person because I said I was going to get that done today and I didn't get that done today. So I'm very aware of times when I have given myself terrible messages of denigrating criticism and judgmentalism towards myself for not getting done what it is that I either thought I should have, or more likely set up for myself some goal that even in the moment I knew was not attainable. So there's something about often setting myself up. I keep a to-do list as many of us do. And I, I know at the outset pretty much whether those tasks are going to be achievable in that chunk of time or not. So it's staggering to me that because I know that I still, I still often try to cram too much in on a day. And then when I don't get it done, I end up feeling bad. So I certainly know that experience, but I also know another experience. And this is what I want to end with. I know the experience of understanding myself as a child of God and not as a person who has industry to get things done. And so I try in that daily practice of prayer, especially to have God remind me that I am God's and that is the only thing that matters. Uh, Barbara Brown Taylor, when she sometimes uh, preaches, she begins by saying, come Holy Spirit, for if you are with us, nothing else matters. And if you are not with us, nothing else matters. And I try always to remind myself that I am God's beloved. And that's all that matters. When I can hold on to that, then I'm able to separate out any sense of productivity or industry or getting things done with who I am as God's beloved child. As we think about what is in the Bible, as we think about who Jesus was and what he did, there are many examples that we can point to where even he rested, mm. even he took a nap, right. right? There are some wonderful social media memes out there. It's even Jesus napped, right? We, we can all take a rest as well. But staying along that kind of theme, what do you think it means to keep the Sabbath holy. And that comes right from Exodus 20, uh, verse 8. I think to keep the Sabbath holy is to understand it as a different kind of time, that it is an invitation that comes around all the time, whether it's on the seventh day or whether it is a time of vacation or whether it is an actual Sabbath um, and sabbatical but I think what the theme throughout scripture, both in the Old and New Testaments, is that it's a different kind of time. And it's a time to sort of think about ourselves as being newly created in God's image. It's a time for contemplation, which is to say that it's not just about resting from work, but to engage in the life of the mind and of the heart that gives us time to think and to feel. 
One time when the church pension fund hired a consultant to help us organize the board of trustees, the consultant who was in his late seventies, when, when we asked him how much time it would be before he would issue his report and recommendations for us, he said, well, I don't know. I can't give you a time because it's going to require some time for me to think. And of course, what you're paying me to do is to actually think about this. And I thought it was such a marvelous response to this, these group of type A people who wanted a schedule. But more to the point, he was saying, I think, something about what I think Sabbath is like, which is that it's a different kind of time. And if we can think about the Sabbath as a time to be quiet, to contemplate, to think, to understand ourselves as God's new creations, that's, that's a beautiful way to live into this idea that um, scripture holds for us. Some folk listening might know Joseph Pieper's work in the 1950s entitled Leisure, the Basis of Culture. And, you know, recognizing that he's writing this in the 50s, what he's saying is that unlike ancient and medieval times, the modern world has lost our concept of leisure, which was a time in which people carved out so they could think and feel new things. And finally, I would say about this question about what makes the Sabbath holy, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, in his great book, Sabbath, he says that to observe the Sabbath is to celebrate the coronation of a day in the spiritual wonderland of time. The air of which we inhale is called delight. <laughs> I love that image of to observe the Sabbath is to celebrate really what it means to delight. Well, thank you, Bishop, for coming along on the journey along the way of love as we have gone through all of these practices for a Jesus-centered life. I think we've talked about some very important things today that rest doesn't just mean physical rest, napping, sleeping. It can mean pausing. Mm. It can mean reflection. And it can even mean play. Exactly. There's a lot of ways in which to you receive that, you know, grace and peace and restoration that God provides to us. We at the Episcopal Diocese of Maine thank you for coming on the journey with us along the way of love. Did you enjoy this series? You can dive even deeper with the resources available through the Episcopal Church. Simply go to www.episcopalchurch.org and search for Way of Love. If you enjoyed this series and the Faith in Maine podcast, please leave a review and rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That helps us spread God's word even further. Thank you.